We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form, as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown, that mankind are more disposed to suffer, while evils are sufferable, than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government, and to provide new guards for their future security. You're tuning into The Constitutionalist with Donnie the Don. Don't be political property. Be free. Hello, hello, everybody. How we doing? How we doing on this Wednesday? And I hear some static. There you go. Uh, my equipment's been tripping. Uh, I was just on an awesome podcast today, you guys. I did put it in the update section, whatever you can set, put updates up here. I put it on the update section. Let me go and get that link for y'all to make sure y'all go and check it out. Um, great group of guys. Great conversation. Uh, let me, I'm pulling up the links. So I can put it in the chat for you guys. Let me pull it up, up, up. So you guys can go back and check it out if you missed it earlier. But it was good. Make sure you go back and check it out. Um, like always, they, they talk about solutions. They taught me some things, some about anarchy. I had questions because like, I don't know much about it. But I asked some questions and they answered it. So if y'all have questions, make sure y'all check that out because it's fire. It's fire. But anyways, um, today is more so of an open discussion. We're going to talk about deregulating and how it can fix the nation. A lot of the problems that we have in this country when it comes to people having businesses and starting them is all these regulations and all these fees. And the government should be involved in that. You know, we're supposed to be the land of opportunity. People come here to start businesses. People come here to make a better life for themselves. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But what we're seeing here is, for example, if you've been doing hair since you're seven years old, like myself, um, you would have to get a hair license in order to, to do hair. Why do I need to pay a fee to, to have um, a hair business? Um, a lot of things that you need a license for, you don't really need a license for. You can do a lot of self-education on your own. Same thing with education. Oh, we need you to have a bachelor's degree or a master's degree to do this job, and you don't need that, actually, most cases. Now, if you're going to be operating on some people, you might want to get some special special training there. But um, deregulating, this is big. Another thing, too, tonight we're going to have a... Um, a Twitter space. One second. We're going to have a Twitter space. It's going to be guns, weed, and free speech. So I'm bringing up that to make sure y'all are on that, but we're talking about weed. So when we're talking about regulations, well, you see in certain states where they decided to legalize it, but they have a lot of fees, a lot of taxes, a lot of laws, and they have a lot of regulations going on there where it actually makes it harder for the small person um, if, if you want to have your own entrepreneurship with that business to do so because these corporations, when they have these uh, regulations, they have the money already for it. They already have a set up tobacco and alcohol industry. So they can be set up for that. 
Business needs to be for everybody in the United States, period, point blank. And what I really want to do is with this movement, we get and discuss and talk with small businesses. We listen to their grievances. We talk about the regulations that are hurting their business, like they're, they're being forced to buy insurance. Insurance is supposed to be just in case. So why are we being forced to buy insurance if it's a just in case kind of thing? If someone doesn't want insurance, they shouldn't be forced to pay for it. The insurance is expensive, and they tell you what, what kind of plan you have to have in order for the qualify. Uh, when you set up a business in a, a brick-and-mortar location, they want you to have a, 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 a certificate of occupancy. You have to have all these rules. The fire department has to come in and approve everything. It's, it's a lot. So that makes some people not even want to start a business. Or if they do, they do it illegally and they can get in trouble. Another big thing is with these regulations is the taxes. All these different taxes they have to pay. I see that, okay, corporations get all these tax breaks, but what about the little guy? So the last piece of the business I want to talk about when we talk about regulations, I want y'all to have a different scope of mind of thinking about different things. When it comes to the agricultural business and these farmers, everyone says we love farmers, support farmers. Well, these big corporation farmers, these the government are creating laws to where they can say something like animal cruelty, take all your livestock, take your land, take all your assets, take everything you have. And they're going to turn around and sell it to someone else. The government's going to take it. And they're going to give it to whoever else they're going to give it to. And then you get stuck with these big corporations. Like, I'm not going to say names because I won't get sued. But, you know, some of the big names for, you know, when you go buy chicken and things like that. And you find out they're not doing healthy practices. But they're over here shutting down small farmers and their family business because they want to put everything in one corporate location. So when we're talking about regulations, I want you to think about every kind of different business that's out there and how you, you may be really good at something and you want to start a business in this location. Then you think about, Oh man, I can't do this. Like there's no way in the world, a, a kid who wants to eliminate on the side of the road and some cookies that they need some kind of, of license or permission from the city in order to do that. That really just gets in the way of everything. So when we're talking about regulations and deregulating tonight, and if y'all want to come up and, and, Add anything to anything to this, you can. Um, please do. And I want to specify this too. Would you more likely support a business that they may not have the city certification on the door, but they offer a good product, good service, and it's affordable, opposed to one that has one on the door and they suck ass? And it's just like, let the people decide. Why does the government have to be involved in everything? Everything the government touch turns to shit. The government shut down all these businesses during COVID in the name of COVID and your safety. And then you, you have all these small businesses that are can't reopen anymore. They're shut down. Or you couldn't go shop there if you didn't have a mask on. But Walmart was open. You could still order from Amazon, um, Target. All these big places were open, but everything else had to be shut down. You can't have the government telling you your business is essential or not. They're out here telling you your business is essential. How can you tell me what my business is and what isn't? If, I, if my business is to have people come and shake their ass on Friday or Saturday night and you're telling me at the bar that I have to serve food when I didn't serve food there anymore or I have to change the, the floor plan of my location to fit your, your what you want me to do, that costs me money. That costs a lot of things. I get a lot of people don't like the places where you go, where people smoke inside. But you sitting there telling people they have to build a patio or a porch but your whole business have always been that way and you have set up your circulation so it doesn't affect everybody. That's not the government's place to tell you that. People don't want to go to your establishment because people smoke in there. They're not going to go there. But you shouldn't be, the government shouldn't be having their hands and everything and then, and causing all these problems because they're costing a lot of people money. So with that being said, 
Um, that's just, like I said, this is open discussion. I'm not going to talk to myself. So if you would like to come up here and grab a mic and you can talk about it, if you have a business, um, feel free to come up and talk about any kind of regulations you have. If you know anybody owns a business, do that. But in the meantime, while I'm waiting for someone to come grab a mic, I'm going to play you guys my sponsorship um, ordeal because I am offering sponsorships now. And a way to help fund the movement where I'm not just only asking y'all to donate, but where you guys can um, help me help you, in a sense. So let me play that real quick for y'all while I wait for someone to grab a mic. We have some fantastic news, you guys. We are finally offering promo. In order for the constitutionalist movement to go more places, do more things, and reach more people, we want to use a help you help me kind of um funding situation here so if you're already on the podcast you get an instant five dollars off you subscribe to the podcast instant five bucks off we're gonna be you'll get promoted on twitter twitter spaces gab.com not website on the podcast and more email us at the red info at gmail.com for pricing more information and i'm looking forward to work with you guys Bye. so there's that so that's that's my ordeal there for that. You know, another way we can do certain things. I would sponsor. I would uh, promote you guys on Twitter Spaces on this podcast. I would promote you guys on Gab.com, my website, and I'm on pretty much every other platform that claims to be free speech, but they're most of them are not. But um, I would promote you on all those platforms as well, depending on what we discuss, what you want. Um, but that's my other way of also to trying to work with small businesses and help get their name out because. You know, I was blessed to have a platform that I do have, but, you know, I do understand that it is uh, it's a shadow band platform, but it still gets it still gets the work done. It still gets the word out um, or I wouldn't be talking to y'all right now. But, yeah, so uh, I don't see anybody grabbing a mic and nobody wants to talk to Donnie today. Is that what that is? Or a private member association? <laughs> Thank you for... Uh, coming to the stage what are your thoughts on um deregulations i i honestly feel like there should be honestly i feel like there shouldn't be many any regulations like only kind of regulation i think that's necessary is if like someone's hand fell into a meat grinder and they shouldn't be able to sell that meat to you that's 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 kind of regulation i'm kind of thinking of but uh what are you thinking thank you for grabbing my can you introduce yourself by the way yeah this is chad um, and you, up, already know what I think. you already know what I, <laughs> I think. know, but the audience doesn't we're yet. Just got to, <laughs> we just got to, done talking about this on the show. But uh, but no, it's um, I think it was interesting that you brought up the thing with the uh, and this is this is Chad, a.k.a. Hotep Nebuchadnezzar on Twitter. Um, but uh, anyway, it's it, the the thing about farmers and like chicken processing. Forgive me, I don't remember the details specifically, but I was listening to a podcast a while back, and there was a guy, he was he ran like a small chicken farm, like a family chicken farm, where I think they processed like maybe 50 chickens a day or something like that, and they had an inspector come, and this inspector like looked at, looked at all the chicken, looked at their feet, looked at their beaks, looked under the feathers, like each individual chicken, and then... Um, they went and they went and looked at this big manufacturing facility. I think they did like 50,000 chickens a day or something like that. And they have their regulator, their inspector is one guy in an office who, and he just stays in his office the whole day. 
And so like when you think about this, like so much of these regulations, so much of this stuff is, is just a pull the ladder up behind you strategy. Just like with, with a lot of the taxation you hear people, they'll always talk about Warren Buffett is in favor of whatever the new tax plan is because he says that his secretary pays more taxes than he does, whatever. Well, that's because you're kind of a dick. Like, I don't know what you're doing, Warren Buffett, that you're sec- you're making you're making it that rough on your secretary. But uh, the the whole reason why a lot of these big corporations or these mega millionaires or billionaires or even trillionaires are so gung ho a lot of times about these regulations and and the the tax increases that come is that they already have all of the infrastructure ready. They've got the legal team that is ready to find the loopholes and ready to find a way to leverage this to their benefit. And so that's why they champion this stuff is because they know it's going to make it that much harder for the little guy to ascend that ladder that they've already ascended. So I call it the pull the ladder up behind you strategy. All they do is they climb up, they get where they are, and then they pull up the ladder behind them. They cut the drawbridge or the, you know, pull the drawbridge, uh, back so that you can't cross that moat anymore. And it's, it's built that way to make the competition have this incredible mountain to climb just to be able to, to come anywhere close to leveling the field. Yeah, definitely. And I, I want to add this to y'all. Y'all don't really realize what's been do- what's been going on heavy lately. You know, I, like I said, I've been talking to way more farmers lately than I ever had before, and I found their grievances. And if y'all know anything about the Animal Welfare Act, that act came out actually during the Civil Rights Movement, which is really crazy how they were looking for rights for animals before they were um, people and their civil rights. Um, but what they're doing is they'll claim that the, the, they're not taking care of the chickens, like he was saying, would do the whole inspector thing. And they'll also accuse them of fighting their, their chickens, other uh, roosters. Um, and they'll have someone who does this who doesn't even know anything about the business at all who comes in. And they'll have most times they'll be using SBAC people, be using animal rights activists to come in and, and claim that someone's doing something just to take, the, take them. And a lot of times they kill those animals themselves. And so we have a lot of laws on the book to, to fight those people and take your property because, like, they want you to own nothing. Eventually they don't want you to have any pets. They want you to have your own livestock and none of that because they want to regulate all that. And so if y'all didn't know this, birds aren't necessarily been, been counted um, with the AWA, but American Airlines has actually stopped um, being to transport chickens for small businesses. If you don't have this m- number of production going on, you don't you have you fall under this regulation. And so these people are this is their livelihood and they're trying to transport these chickens. And they've decided, oh, well, AWA said this, which they didn't say that. It excluded birds. Um, and they won't transport chickens anymore. But it's in the name of the conditions that the chickens will be in if they were to be shipped through American Airlines. My whole thing is, if you're going to say that, then, then what are you doing, American Airlines? That, you know, you've been doing this for how long? And you guys don't have good conditions for the chicken. But the farmer is the one getting in trouble. It's also affecting, it's actually, a lot of times no one cares until it affects them. So now the rescues and some of these other like animal rights activists rescue people are feeling the same thing. So I actually sat on a call with the um, the animal and plant service people 
And when I was talking to them, it was actually an activist. It wasn't even the, the people in that in that administration, that, that organization. They had activists speak on their half, behalf, and they had emails with that organization. You guys don't understand what's been going on behind the scenes because the the media, left and right, they tell you where to look. And they tell you where not to look. And people just look that way, this way. So there's a lot of things going on. You guys, you guys did see where those animals, the what, two, 3,000 cattle had, were dead. And they said it was from heat exhaustion, humidity. But it was nighttime when it happened. They're lying. They're killing off your animals. And they're trying to put it all in the corporate. And then the corporate is ran by the government so they can control the food. We're at war already. So when you're at war, they try to control the food and the, and the sources that come into your communities. They're already doing that. And it's not like far-fetched, like it's going to happen in five years. It's happening right now, right now. Yeah, and and the uh, you know the, it happens with the crops and everything too. I'm not going to name names either because I you know this, this is your show. But there's a there's a particular company that does like some herbicides and GMOs and all this sort of stuff. And they've had actually I don't know if you've seen, but they've there have been some people who have sued them because the either through windage or through um, like sometimes birds will, will carry seeds and will drop them while they're, while they're flying away. And so anyway, they'll get some cross contamination. And so these small farmers have sued this uh, large corporation, which will go unnamed. Um, and the corporation has countersued them for patent infringement because the contamination that came from, their GMO crops that got into these local farmers that were using just old heirloom seeds, heirloom crops that they've been farming for, for decades, this stuff got, got over and contaminated their stuff. And so now this corporation says, Oh no, you're trying to steal our patented seed. And they actually, they win the, they win the lawsuit when they countersue against the, the local small farmers so yeah, it's a, it is, it's a war and it's fought on many fronts. It's not just, it's not just the, the police state. It's also the, you know, this economic and regulatory apparatus. And then, you know, like we talked about on the show earlier, it's coming with this central bank digital currency stuff too, where the social credit score system and everything is going to be another leg of that war. So you, you got to keep your head on a swivel and um, and team up with people who who think like you, so that you can find ways to to strategize and and attack it. Absolutely, and you guys, you know, we like to talk about solutions and how we can do certain things. But when I say we we go and talk and, and speak with our communities and educate our communities, by the way, thank you so much for coming up here um, and educate our communities. Um, we have to look at it like that, as if they're part of it. They're, they're, they're small businesses. They're being affected as well. you got to include them into this. So when there are unconstitutional uh, regulations or a city council is pushing something that's not constitutional and and we want to help protect this business, we like this business, we like them, they're part of the community, they've been part of our family for a long time, then we actually go and stand with them and fight with them opposed to just letting it happen because that's what we do. We see something bad happen and we sit back and watch it happen. We're like, oh, well, that sucks. The government can do what they want. They actually can't, and that's what our job is, is to get that information out there and actually start working with these businesses, especially in the industries that you really like. Um, so, hell, whenever y'all decide to run for office or something, guess who's going to help fund you? The, the one you helped already. 
But hey, uh, Christopher. Hey, how you doing? Fantastic. How are you? Great. Fine. Now, from what I think I heard, because when I'm inside with the AC on, I don't. There's that ambient noise sort of drowns out the phone. And for the most part, we we see all these people such as Bezos, Gates, Buffett, all these very wealthy people. And you would we would tend to think that they own the things we see them with. And it is very much to the contrary. The Republic is still there, but there's all these quasi unconstitutional organizations or agencies standing in front of it. But how do you go about being known in some sort of database that I am not part of the de facto corporation, maybe known as the United States of America? How do you do that? One of the things that these people do is they have all their assets in trust. They don't own anything. They control it, but they don't own it. And this knowledge has been kept away from the common man or woman because they don't want you to know and that owners owe. When you own something, you become liable for it. This is something we were never taught, I guess, in maybe civics or trust law or contract law. And this is why we get reamed so much because we are owning so many things and we have our name or whatever out there instead of a trust. Everybody needs to be operating through a trust. You can have an uncorporated business trust, a common law, pure trust. There's all sorts of trust. And it can be molded for anything. So if we want to have these forms and these, what, husbandry or whatever, whatnot, it needs to be in the trust and needs to be controlled through a trust, not owned. This knowledge, facts, information has been kept away from us. If you go to Bill Gates and ask him, do you own those houses and whatever you see him, he's going to tell you no. You go to Trump, you ask him if he owns those towers, you're going to be very surprised at the answer you get. They don't own them. So, here it is. There's two things with the IRS. Yes, we know that maybe it's not supposed to be here in the United States. Maybe it is the largest debt collector subcontracted to the United States Incorporated. But... Tax evasion, tax avoidance. Tax evasion is a no-no. Tax avoidance is letting whoever it is that, hey, I've been noticed and I've noticed you guys that I am (laughs) avoiding these taxes. And this is the big thing is, are you a tax payer creator or are you a taxpayer? I know it's kind of effed up in the game, but that's what the game is. Are you wealthy enough that we go and we tax somebody for? Or are you going to work, blah, 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 and playing your 
taxes. I will yield right there. So I have a question for you. Yes. Um, so I'm under the impression that, like, you know, that you said they don't own anything. And I think mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're landing where I'm thinking. I, I honestly believe that if these people come billionaires or trillionaires, that they had permission to get to that level and they had the help of the government to get to that level. So what I, when I was discussing um, in that show earlier today that we were doing, I put in the link in the chat box um, that we don't have, like when Patriots back in the day, they had their, their rich friends like Franklin and, and Hancock and those groups of people. I don't feel like we possibly will have an actual true billionaire or millionaire or whoever that will side with us because, like you said, that they don't own that stuff. And I feel like they got that position because they were put in that position. Like, I don't believe that Bill Gates, um, his, his story, everyone has the same come up story. Yes. So him and, and Zuckerberg have the same story. Oh, um, Harvard dropouts or, or college dropouts. And they invented this product and now they're rich. A lot of times we have these public figures. Oh, they went viral one time and they became famous. Bullshit. Like, a lot of people have gone viral. They're not famous. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like they, they have used these, read, use these stories over and over again. Artists, um, they came from nowhere. They had nothing. And you now look at them now. And it's just like there's their place there strategically. It's, if you want, I feel like people have worked hard to get to being a millionaire, but when you get to that billionaire status, um, that, that's when it really changes. Like they, they don't want you there unless they can control you. And you are correct because here are two things that we were never told about money. Is your face on the money? No. Is your likeness or whatever a face is on the money? No. Is there signature or name on the money? If those two things are not there, it's not your debt. Also, when the way we have it set up here in the good old United States, that when you do have 300 million, whatever billion. We are finally offering promo. In order for the constitutionalist movement to go more places. Hello? My bad. I did not mean to do that. Go ahead. Sorry. When you have (laughs) this supposed, in a supposed manner of speaking, this disposable wealth, you have, in actual fact, someone else's debt. I know this sounds very outrageous, a little bit off of the beaten path, but if you have two billion in the bank, blah, 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 trillion, and, and it's USD, you don't have that in the bank or in your possession. You have someone else's debt. We might call it Federal Reserve notes, Federal Reserve units, or dollars. That's what's going on, and no one's never told you about that. But the people up at the top, they are in full knowledge of what is going on, and that's what you have. You don't have a bunch of money in the bank. You have someone else's debt in the bank. And I'll yield right there and let you. No, you're good. Um, beloved, ask a question in the comment section I want to get to. She asks who Zuckerberg's parents are. And it's Karen Kemper and Edward Zuckerberg. Edward Zuckerberg. Um, 
Dr. Edward Zuckerberg says he, he's been a pioneer in the integration of technology in the dental office and development of technologies and delivering painless. Um, I guess he's a doctor. Okay. So his, his parents were rich, it looks like. His mom, um, it says she's a psychiatrist by profession and works in the healthcare department, but it says her education is high school. So I'm not for sure how that works. Am, am I still here? You're still here. I can hear you too. Uh, also, uh, a lot of what I just said is all in the Bible. There, there are 19 different Bible verses speaking on interest, and none of them agree with interest. The Bible, in actual fact, is... It's it's a manual on how to do banking and commerce and do it in a very just manner. Maybe with a little bit of how to live your life right and eat right. But for the most part, it is a banking manual, and I can prove this all day, all week, all year. So you maybe have heard basic instructions before leaving Earth. But it's banking instruments, banking laws, and equity. No one's never told us these things. And this is the reason why we pretty much are in the hot mess that we are in now. So, one of the things that we should be reading and studying about is trust law, contract law. These people who are, do have these trusts, they have taken it. And they're using it for unjust enrichment and subverting the, the republic. But if you look in the Bible, you're going to see everything about a trust. And you're going to see everything about banking. So someone has went through that book and took out all the things not to do. And is using it to put the, what, the quote-unquote average common man or woman in a box. So I'll yield because I, I can see someone else is in the line here and I don't want to. I appreciate you for coming up, Christopher. As always, you always dropping your gems. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> and uh, yeah. you guys, I'm going to announce about type in just a second. Um, yes, we'll have my sponsorship, but if you can donate, that would be fantastic. You can donate on www.com. Not politicalproperty.com. It will be in the comment section, but I'm also saying it for those who come back and listen on Spotify and Apple. I'm also Venmo is Donnie the Don, D-O-N-I-T-H-D-O-N, and Cash App is Donnie04. And next up, we have Jenny. Jenny, um, it's so good to see you. It's been a while. I actually was looking through Colin the other night, and I saw you. I'm like, man, I, when I first came on Colin, I saw her all the time, but I don't see you as much anymore. But it's good to see you here today. Oh, thanks for remembering me, Donnie. That makes me feel good. I, of I course. Did, I took a three-month break because Colin is very addictive, and I was spending way too much time on it, neglecting other things. And so I'm the type of person I just have to cut something off, you know, to to deal with it, go cold turkey. <laughs> and so that's what I did. But I, I got gotcha. you. I have now uh, restored my Substack to its original purpose and spent just so much time trying to fix it and make it better and got a lot a lot of subscribers and so it's going well so now I feel like I 
I have the the privilege of being here on call in again. So I love gotcha. the con- so did you did you did you start a whole new show? Because it looked like you have a brand new show. Yeah, I deleted my uh, I felt like three shows was just too much and it was just compartmentalizing my life too much. And I thought I'm just gonna do one show and just start over and just kinda, you know, start from here and and try to build it back to what it was because um like I said, it just took over my whole life and it was too much. Gotcha. So it's if you go to her profile as Jenny Hatch shows, she has the category storytelling, news and politics and health. You're a mom blogger. Yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate the plug. I um no I, love the, I love the conversation, you know, about deregulation. That's really why I called in, not to talk about my stuff, but thank you. No problem, but go ahead. Go ahead. Let's go let's go into deregulations. Well, I'll put this in the comment box too, but India did a big experiment in the early 90s. They had regulated, just like every other country regulates, but in the early 90s, they decided to just, um, you know, open everything up. And the entrepreneurship that, that resulted from this deregulation was incredible to observe. And I, I think every small business owner is afraid of a couple of things. Number one, you're afraid of just you know, breaking the law, especially a law you don't even know exists. And then you're afraid of getting sued if you invest all this time and money into everything. And then it's just all goes for nothing because somebody can come in and just steal your work. And so this deregulation was just a miracle in that great country. And so many businesses were started. And I really think if we could get something like that going on here, you know, we're, we're at this place in America where a kid sets up a lemonade stand and, you know, some busybody comes along and where's your license? And so I just think, you know, we need to go back to just common sense approach to everything. And that deregulation is just a huge component in that. Definitely. Are you a business owner yourself? I am. I've had a home business for the last 30 years. And I'm incredibly passionate about especially moms having the freedom to to do anything that will bring in a few extra dollars to supplement, especially if she's a stay at home mom. And um, what, what um, industry is your business in? I was a childbirth educator for eight years. And when my fourth child was born, I was just too busy with my kids to have class at home. So I moved all of my work online in 1996. And from, from that day to this, I've just done everything. I've sold cloth diapers and I've shared health products and uh currently i i sell essential oils and and then i wrote a bunch of books on natural family living so there's several dimensions to my company it's called the natural family company and my most of my work online is just dedicated to teaching common sense things to parents to help their family life just be easier and more economically sound i mean when you give birth at home instead of going to the hospital Obviously, you save so much money. And so um, it's just common sense stuff. Like, what do you need to do to do your own prenatal care? And how do you eat well enough to make a healthy baby without the help of a professional? And so these are the types of things I've really put my heart into. And, you know, I also had this feeling that American healthcare was very wobbly and overpriced and doesn't deliver the way that we think it should, and that families were being harmed economically by interfacing with, with modern medicine and that there was just a better way to do it. And so um, that's the model that um, myself and there's a bunch of other activists who write about these similar topics. 
but, um, you know, we just kind of decided to do it ourselves. And so my last two sons, I did my own prenatal care, gave birth at home and, um, did not interface with medicine at all after they were born. If they got sick, I took them to my herbalist. <laughs> so, you know, nice. you can come up with a health, you can come up with a healthy baby without having doctors around. Oh, I believe it. So actually, I have another question for you then. So with that industry you're in, so what were your thoughts in a sense with the whole formula shortage? Because here's another thing, a big corporation, um, they have a shortage and people are depending on powder breast milk. I came off as insensitive because I'm thinking, I, but we have boobs, you know, we have breast milk and I get that some people can't produce it, but I feel like if that's the case, how come we're not looking into why they can't reproduce it? What is causing it? I do know there's some people who help people. Uh, they take certain things, it's their diet or how much water they're getting um, in their systems in order to be able to breastfeed. And I was just thinking like that, that shortage could have been a big opportunity for somebody to um, have a better product because those, those formula companies have been sued have been shut down a lot because they have all kinds of bad things and then that's not actually healthy for your baby. They're not even getting the nutrition that they're needing from these different powder formulas that they're getting. And then I was wondering also, is if, have you heard of or have you thought of doing a, a breastfeeding network, like sharing the milk in your community? Like um, say like it's like in your area, you know certain people have breast milk and they, they just exchange it or whatever. I, I know some places apparently there's some laws against that which shouldn't be. Um, but what were you, what was your thoughts on that? And like, did you think of a solution with your, what you're doing in your industry on that? Yeah. A big component of what I taught was just common sense around, uh, breast, breastfeeding. I actually had a total disaster after my first baby was born and was only able to nurse her for three months. And so after that, I became a little bit more diligent in learning the facts. And so you can do it. You can do it after you have a C-section. But honestly, breastfeeding the other four kids, I have five, um, has been the hardest thing I've ever done. And until, are you a mom, Donnie? Not yet. Yeah. I want to be. <laughs> until you do it to just flippantly say to a mom, oh, just, just breastfeed. That'll solve your problems. You don't understand what that does to a mom who, especially if she wants to and just hasn't got the facts on how to do it. It is really demoralizing because who wants to watch their baby starve? And so um, we are right now in a culture that does not really support breastfeeding. And so pushing back against that is really helpful for parents. But um, I'm really passionate about teaching families the things that happen have to happen in the mom's kitchen for her to eat, to make the breast milk. It is really hard to generate enough um calories and nutrients in your diet when after the baby's born all you're thinking about is trying to lose weight or get your body back or you know it's just almost impossible and that's where I was at after my first I'm an actor and so I was really determined to just get my body back and get back on stage and it was a total disaster because I didn't really understand what it took to make the milk and it's just you know you have to focus you have to eat you have to get the baby on the breast and that's what generates the milk it's just like the dairy industry that the farmers know they have to stimulate the cows to get the milk to produce and it's the same with a mom and if she's given bad advice or she doesn't have enough support it's really hard to do it and so i i think you know 
all young parents who are planning to have children should just buy a couple of really good books on breastfeeding, the Leche League's out there, it's a support group. And they do have that mom-to-mom support of women. Like, for example, if somebody has a preemie and the mom just can't make the milk, you're allowed to donate that milk. The problem you get into with the laws is that um, a mom can pass AIDS and other diseases through her milk to a baby. So you wouldn't want to have somebody donating breast milk who's sick. And so that's where the laws have popped up to kind of try and protect the babies. But, you know, there are networks of women all over the country who are sharing their breast milk privately. And to tap into some of that networking, is just you just need to do a little digging to find those moms. But I'm all about young parents learning the facts. Moms need to get in their kitchens and do some cooking and, and eat a healthy enough diet that they can come up with this milk. And then, you know, you don't have to be beholden to the formula companies and, you know, at their, do their bidding. I mean, that whole crisis was so shameful to me, you know, that there are literally moms all over the country frantically trying to find formula for their babies. It just, it never should have happened. Yeah, absolutely right about that. But I do appreciate you for coming up, Jenny. I did subscribe to your show so I can keep in, keep in touch with you. I'm glad you came back. And I look forward to talking to you some more. Thank you. Thank you you for dropping your gems. Happy to share. Take care. (laughs) Thanks. You too. Next up, we have John. Hey, John, how are you doing? Come and drop your gems for us. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Hey, you know, I was calling in about the uh, deregulation and stuff. But, I, I, Jenny, um, you know, this conversation you just had with her, I wanted to pipe in when she was talking is she still on is she let me see no it's oh. you well anyways you know because uh i haven't been a father but I, I was fortunate that you know my you know both my kids were were breastfed because i know that uh you know it's important because it supplies all the necessary nutrients in the proper proportions uh you know that's just nature and protects against allergies and sickness and you know, even obesity, they say, and it protects against diseases because it helps the baby develop an immune system, right? Uh, like, yeah, even like for diabetes and cancer, it, it protects against infections and easily digested and, and, and things like that. And they found that breastfed babies score higher on IQ tests as well. So there's a lot, you know, I, I remember you talking about this when that shortage came. And, and, uh, you know, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, the, the proper way to do it is breastfeeding. I mean, it's, it's, uh, and I know it's, there's, there's more involved for the mom, but, but, uh, that is the proper way to really, you know, get to have the babies get the proper nutrients in the right proportion and things like that. So, uh, I think, uh, it's an important topic, you know, it's, it's an important topic. Um, the other thing I, I'll I'll switch back to uh, <clears throat> you know, and I missed part of this. You know, my sons came in from Indiana, so I've been spending time with them. So I haven't been able to come on your show like I like I normally do. So sorry about that. But uh, I've been spending some time with them. And uh, but um, anyways, it, it just seems like you know when you talk about you, you know regulation 
and deregulation. Like regulation, whenever something's like uh, regulated or, you know, they, they pass an anti-monopoly bill or an anti-this or an anti-that, it seems that the bill, what the, what the bill is targeting to help actually hurts. You know, like I've seen what's happened like in banking. You know, to make sure that proper procedures are followed and so on. And, you know, it never hurts the big banks because they have the uh, legal department and people to, to deal with it or find ways around it. But what it has been devastating to is like community banks, like in the inner city and stuff, which has been the backbone for a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and just businesses that operate, you know, you know, especially in the cities, I think. And uh, it's just odd how when, well, I don't say it's odd. I think it's all planned. But, but you know, whenever, you know, it seems like it has a good purpose, but actually the purpose is counter to what it is intended for or is presented as, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And it just happens time and time again. I've just never seen where, you know, a regulation or an anti-monopoly thing has, has done good and, and uh you know, it, it just makes it it makes it harder for the people that are originally affected anyway. And and uh, it always benefits, you know, the big corporations and big banks and things like that. So I just thought I'd drop that gem on. So that's about it. Hey, I appreciate you. And I, I thought it would be interesting, too, to share this with you guys with uh, after what he was talking about. You know, like you think about America, when did the regulations start? And apparently the regulation started in 1887. The president at the time was the first Democrat after the Civil War. It was, um, uh, oh, goodness, hold on. What was his name? Grover Cleveland. And the Congress at that time, the House majority was Democrat, and the Senate was Republican. And I guess the the whole commerce thing came up because of the railroads. So it was the Interstate Commerce Act of 1887, a United States federal law that was designed to regulate the railroad industry, particularly in um, monopolies. So that's what, why I wanted to bring it up, so the mon- monopoly practices. The act required that the railroad rates be reasonable and just, but did not empower the government to fix specific rates. So I guess maybe right. they, they were, you know, the whole monopoly where they control the pricing um, so that's when the, around the first regulations came along. But here, here's the thing, though. They sell this thing like, oh, we're here to be your friend to help you because, you know, this, this, this is not being fair to you guys. But they created that, but they didn't actually, like, fix the But, rates. Donnie, if I, could, if I could chime in, you're absolutely right because railroad's a good example. You know, like I brought up the, the example of banks. But the railroad mm-hmm. is a good example because when, the, when that went into effect, Right. There were a lot of railroads, a lot of different railroads. They're all competing and all that. And it was, you know, but now there's very few railroads. Right. You just have you just have a few. It, you could say the same thing about oil companies. You know, people went after Rockefeller and they went, you know, and they put put in these antitrust, you know, anti-monopoly practices and so on. And there were like close to 600 different oil companies back when that was done. And now there's very few. Very, very few independents, and and you know you just had the big oil companies, and whereas at the time when that was done, even though Rockefeller was practicing monopolistic practices, you had hundreds. It was I, I can't remember the exact number, but it was like five hundred and some odd numbers, like close to six hundred different oil companies, and and that's the way it always ends up, because when it's an anti-monopoly, uh, 
you know, what do you want to call it, a bill or an act of some kind, it actually it actually destroys competition. It just makes it less competitive because that whole market is regulated and thus it, it doesn't thrive as well. You know, whether it's railroads or oil or banks or whatever. I mean, it just always happens time and time again. Always. It does. And now you see, okay, people are flying. There's... We have a few airlines, and they control yep. the airspace, and they have all the rules and regulations, and when you can and can't be up there, and it's it's a lot. So it's just like this country is just it is for some reason just like these leaders have to have some kind of unconstitutional regulations, you know. But it's in the name of support uh, supporting the consumer, and then you find out that it doesn't even help the consumer at all. So no, it never it, does. Just, I mean, it just puts. It just puts more power in the hands of government and they just want to regulate things more. And it's, it's just, it never fails. I've never seen where it's worked. I've just never seen it. Yeah. I feel like regulations is a problem in this country. And I feel like we have a lot of, um, we can solve a lot of issues. Definitely click that link that Jenny had put in the live chat. So you guys can read how another country did it, how they were able to have more opportunities and how their economy was better um, with that because deregulating is good. Like is supposed to be, and you know it's crazy because people have these politicians. They say, "Hey, I'm running for a smaller government, and this and this and that and a third, and then they don't actually mean it. There's regulations; they don't wipe out the ones that exist. They don't wipe out the unconstitutional laws. They leave them there, and they're getting um, their funding for their campaigns from these same companies that that want those regulations in place so they can stay the um, in power and have the corporate um, money in their packet, their pocket. So well, it's just it makes it harder to compete. Basically, every time you do that, it makes it harder to compete because if you're the small guy, but you have the great ideas and you're very entrepreneurial, it hurts. It hurts you. You know, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't help you. It hurts you every time. So. Definitely. Right. And so I I don't have much more to add to the conversation. But again, like the solution I said is if we start teaming up with these small businesses and we stand against any kind of new regulations they try to get. You know, when I was running for office, I had business people I've talked to, and they're like, "That have is this this insurance I'm I'm having to pay for, but I don't even make that much money for my business yet." It's like I just started it, and what can I do? What would you do? I was like, anything that I can do within my power, you know, because you know I'm, I'm one vote. But I would also have to get the people who supported me, you, in there to fight any kind of extra regulation that the city would have asked for. And you guys can fight that stuff at the county level as well and the state level. So um, I am putting in the, the the live chat the interstate commerce of 18, um, 1887 on here. If you all can go ahead and research it yourselves and also check out some videos and learn some more about it. Uh, I think it's crazy as soon as, you know, I, like I said, I'm against both parties, but I still think it's crazy how a Democrat finally gets a seat in there and, and they have the House and and they're over here um, um, adding unconstitutional things as soon as they get up in there. So it's just, it's interesting. History is interesting to me. But um, I'm going to go ahead and close this out with the, I'm going to play the ad one more time, and I'm going to close out the anthem. Um, I do see that Shaka's there. If he does want to add anything, he can. But if not, that's cool. But we'll be on the Twitter spaces tonight at 10.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And um, we'll be discussing... Um, Guns, weed, and free speech. It's going to be a good discussion. So I'm looking forward to seeing y'all there tonight. 
All right, here we go. We have some fantastic news, you guys. We are finally offering promo. In order for the constitutionalist movement to go more places, do more things, and reach more people, we want to use a help you, help me kind of um, funding situation here. So if you're already on the podcast, you get an instant $5 off. If you subscribe to the podcast, instant 5 bucks off. We're gonna be, you'll get promoted on Twitter, Twitter Spaces, Gab.com, NotPoliticalProper.com website, on the podcast, and more. Email us at theredsenseinfo at gmail.com for pricing, more information, and I'm looking forward to work with you guys. Cool. Now here's the anthem, you guys. I'll see you at 10.30 p.m. on Twitter. Bye. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes and accordingly all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed but when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government, and to provide new guards for their future security. You're tuning into The Constitutionalist with Donnie the Don. Don't be political property, be free. <laughs>